Um, in a moment, I'll invite Jeffrey to uh, request the five precepts, and then we'll ask, invite Tanajan to give some teaching in Thai, and I'll have to translate into English, so I can be patient with that. And then after that, we'll have our ceremony bathing the monks. For those of you who haven't seen that before, just watch what the others do and follow along. It's an occasion to um, show our respect, gratitude to teachers. So we have our visiting teacher, Tanajananan, today. We can show our gratitude to him bathing his hands. All of us have gathered here together uh, out of our faith and interest in uh, Buddhist teachings and we've come together to get today in particular to offer Sangadana to make offerings to support the religion, to support the community of monks that live here at this monastery and this requires us to uh, make sacrifices uh, for the benefit of others, for the benefit of that which is good. And we bring different useful things to support the monastery, such as food, uh, other useful requisites and donations. We've been coming to support the monastery perhaps for many months, many years. Uh, this monastery we call Buddha Bodhiwana Monastery. Uh, Ajahn Kalyano is the abbot here, and I've visited here several times before. Today, and we're celebrating, or this year, we're celebrating 10 years of the monastery. We can see that when we have a monastery such as this, we have a place where we can come to practice Dhamma, to make offerings, to listen to the Dhamma, to develop ourselves, develop our understandings of the teachings. So we have it as a place to practice. And from this we can further deepen our level of understanding of truth and develop some higher knowledge. Um, we can see that when we're born into this world, uh, we immediately get lost in the conventional appearance of reality and we assume that we can own things. We assume that this world is ours to own, this body is ours the material things we have around us, we say, belong to me, they're mine. Um, but actually, this kind of delusion is a, is a cause of our suffering, and the Buddha pointed this out to us. He taught us to contemplate this truth, to see more deeply, uh, see beyond it, see through it, using mindfulness and wisdom to understand the truth to come to see that this world and the things that we take as me and mine are really impermanent and not self. To do this we have to develop and cultivate our minds through the practice of bhavana. This is where we can really bring all the merit, the meritorious actions and deeds that we perform to fruition, to completion, through the practice of bhavana, training our body, speech and mind to develop a state of calm, composure and peace that we call samadhi. 
we can use uh, different techniques to develop this peace of mind. We can focus our mindful awareness on the feeling of the in and out breath, for instance. We can practice maintaining mindfulness in different postures. All of this is aiming to allow the mind to become calm enough, clear enough to understand truth. So we call training the mind in this way, way, making merit through the practice of bhavana, mental cultivation. We make merit or good karma in many ways, through the practice of giving, charity, generosity and so on. We make merit through living in a moral, ethical way, following the precepts, keeping the precepts. We make merit through helping uh, to support and do that which is useful in our families, in monasteries and in society. All of this is merit. Listening to Dhamma is meritorious. Listening to Dhamma so we can uh, further our, increase our understanding of truth and, and the way of practice. And this gives us the, the knowledge, the understanding that will help us to let go of our attachments which cause us suffering. When we develop our mindfulness and wisdom through the practice, it brings us to the point where we can let go of that which causes us suffering. It brings us to be able to let go of our attachments so that mind, the mind becomes to a, comes to a state of freedom, emptiness. If this is just temporary, a temporary experience we have in the course of practice, we call it tatanka vimuti, temporary liberation of mind. Or you could even say it's like experiencing a small nibbana, just a temporary nibbana or enlightenment. This happens when we develop our mindfulness and wisdom to the point where we can let go of our moods and the different sense impressions and mental states which cause us suffering. And the mind comes to a place where it is still and empty and free of suffering. Every day we work in the world to gain wealth, the basic necessities of life, so that we can live and support our families as well. But if we don't develop an understanding of Dhamma, truth, then we can still suffer. And suffer suffering can arise independent of, say, whether you have a lot of money or a little bit of money. It's not necessarily to do with how much wealth you have. Suffering is caused by our wrong views, our wrong understanding of truth. So you could say we all have great good fortune, great spiritual wealth, that we've come to uh, have faith in the Buddha and the teachings, the Dhamma. But we must now use this faith and the teachings that we've heard uh, to practice. We have to take our opportunity to practice, to develop meditation in daily life and develop these qualities of mindfulness and wisdom. Uh, these will be what allows the mind to free itself from suffering. When you develop mindfulness <coughs> and wisdom uh, in, in your daily life, you, you gain some strength of mind that allows you to let go of your moods, different moods of suffering, your likes, your dislikes, your preferences, all the different kinds of attachments which cause us suffering. You'll be able to let them go and keep your mind in the middle, in that place in the middle where it's peaceful. So to develop and experience true peace of mind, 
we must practice the Dhamma. We have to learn how to bring up mindfulness wherever we are, wherever we go, whether we go and travel a long way away or we're traveling just a short distance. Travel with mindfulness. Keep this state of mindfulness present. Keep developing insight and contemplating the truth. Of course, at first, our mind is not very peaceful because our mindfulness is not very strong or continuous. We have to see the value of training, practicing with our minds. And as we do this, then the level and consistency of our awareness will come up. It's natural that as we try to practice this, we won't like the different mental proliferation, the restlessness, the agitation of mind that arises um, as we diff- experience different things, different conditions. So we have to be patient with that and just contemplate that this is all, all this mental agitation and suffering and confusion is just coming f- from a lack of awareness of truth, a lack of mindfulness and a lack of wisdom. We, it comes from avicca, or ignorance, and this causes craving and attachment to rise in the mind. At first, then, in the practice, we must really learn to keep, keep up our mindfulness continuously to overcome the different negative mental states that arise, what we call the five hindrances, sensual desire, ill will, sloth and torpor, sleepiness, mental agitation and uh, doubt and uncertainty. Our aim is to keep bringing up mindful awareness to stop the unwholesome states of mind from arising. Whatever um, our experience is, we have to try to maintain mindfulness through it so that the mind doesn't fall into a negative unwholesome state. We use the different meditation techniques to do this so we can focus our mindful awareness on the feeling of the breathing or we can use the meditation on metta, contemplation of loving-kindness. We can practice chanting regularly and meditate regularly, and all of this will help our mindfulness to develop. If we're practicing mindfulness of breathing, then learn how to really concentrate your mind on the breath, each in and out breath, really know it. If you want to use the meditation word, buddho, then do this in conjunction with the breath. As you breathe in, bud, as you breathe out, to. Or if you prefer, you can use counting with the breathing. So as you breathe in, <coughs> you count one. As you breathe out, you count one. Breathe in, two. Breathe out, two. Pairs of breaths. You count each pair up until ten and then resume at one again. As you practice in this way, what you'll find over time is that the amount of mental worry, agitation and stress starts to get less. We start to experience some peace of mind, some calm. This is what we call samadhi. Samadhi, or state of firm, calm, concentration, is accompanied by joy, pity, rapture, sense of contentment, inner happiness. Often as your mind calms down, you'll you'll notice that the tiredness that you might feel from having worked all day or just being involved in the world fades away. 
your mental stress and worry starts to fade away and disappear. When all of this stress and agitation disappears, then the mind becomes very clear. And this is what allows wisdom or insight to arise. It allows us to see the true nature of our experience. To see that all the things that we have in this world are impermanent, not lasting, unsatisfactory, and not self. They, they're not ultimately, they're not me or mine, or belong to me or my, me, myself. Whether it's internal, meaning our own mental experience or this body, or external things, the possessions, the things we use in this world, they're all the same. They're impermanent. They arise, they pass away. And there's nothing we can really cling on to and hold on to. However, we have to grasp this understanding correctly. At one time there was a teacher who taught his students that all things are impermanent. And one of the young novice monks who hadn't really contemplated this deeply yet, he was thinking about this. The teacher said, even your monk's arms bowl that you use every day to collect your food, this is impermanent. But the young novice didn't yet believe that. He could see his arms bowl still there. It's um, strong, firm, sitting right in front of him. So he thought, well, the teacher said it's impermanent, but it seems to be here permanent as ever, so I better just test this. So he went and got a hammer and started to hit it. And he hit it and pounded it until it was broken. And he said, hmm, now I can see it is impermanent. But of course, that's not correct view, correct understanding. It's Something's impermanent is something, that's an understanding or an insight you know in your heart, in your mind. You know that the things of the world are impermanent. The food that we eat, the things that we use, all of our experience is impermanent. If we can see this and we don't attach or cling, then this will lead to peace of mind, the peace of Nibbāna. Nibbāna is that which is cool, when the mind becomes very cool, bright, and our wisdom illuminates the true nature of phenomena, all the physical and mental phenomena in this world. So it's as if sending away the darkness that might cover over the mind. As the darkness fades, the mind becomes brighter and more peaceful and cool. This is because our ignorance or misunderstanding of truth that feeds all our attachments, this fades away through the power of our insight. As this fades away, then we suffer less. So all the suffering gradually comes out of our mind and we experience peace. So Nibbāna then is not just something that is experienced by monks off into the forest. It can arise for anyone who really dedicates themselves to the practice. We don't really know how long we're going to live in this world, so we should reflect, bring this up, reflection up to, so that we use our time and our opportunity wisely. We've been born as human beings, so this is our great chance, our great opportunity to, to practice. We have body and mind, we have our intelligence. All of this can be used to practice the Dhamma. We have to learn to live together in a moral way and to develop our mind through practice of meditation. 
we are lucky that we have a whole tradition of um, enlightened masters who are our teachers in this modern era. We have Venerable Ajahn Man, Ajahn Chah, Ajahn Mahabua, and so on. They have proven that the human mind can be liberated from suffering and its causes. They've proven that they can reach enlightenment. And so we are their students, we're practicing in their footsteps. You have to therefore try to keep up your faith and keep up a regular practice in your daily lives. Just like those villagers in the time of the Buddha, the the Kula villagers who the Buddha taught to practice the four foundations of mindfulness. As they went about their daily business, they always had their mind focused on one aspect of the, the body, feelings, mind or the Dhamma. When they met each other, they talked about the Dhamma and asked, what, what aspect of mindfulness are you focused on today? We can use Buddha, this quality of mindful knowing, mindful awareness, to develop our minds, to develop mindfulness. As mindfulness becomes more continuous, then we'll experience samadhi. Samadhi means a mind that becomes firm and stable in itself. Of course, at first, it's not necessarily going to be very firm or stable. We might have a lot of distracted thinking. The mind wanders all over the place. So we have to keep practicing meditation to bring up this quality of mindfulness. We keep having to listen to the Dhamma. Maybe at first, we don't even quite understand what what we hear in these Dhamma teachings. It doesn't always make sense to us. But if you keep listening and you keep practicing, little by little you might experience more peace and more happiness within. And then the truths that the Dhamma points to might become, uh, you might start to realize them for yourself. We are only in this world for a short period of time. And when we die, we can't take our wealth with us. Uh, So we must really take our chance and start practicing now to make our minds peaceful. We come to this monastery, Buddha Bodhiwana Monastery, and we support it as a place of practice where we can do this. We must learn how to really end our suffering by understanding the cause of suffering is our own wrong views and delusions and misunderstanding of truth. So we have to really develop ourselves to to gain true understanding or right view. Once we have right view of of life and the world, then we can use that to develop right action, right effort, and so on. This all becomes the path in our minds that leads to Nibbāna. It's what we call the noble path. It's something that we have to develop. When we develop this noble path, it brings up knowledge. That's knowledge or insight that allows the mind to free itself from suffering. So please try to practice in your daily life. When you're at home, when you're at work or wherever, even if you're looking after your families, try not to give up or get distracted. And you too can experience this freedom from suffering. So the practice of Dhamma does require us to continually put effort in, in our daily life. For instance, we have to keep looking at our actions to see whether we're really leading our life in a wholesome, skillful way, in a moral way. If our sila or our actions are lacking, 
in any way, we, we're not keeping the precepts fully or completely, we'll be able to see that our mind becomes agitated. If we're careless in the way we speak to other people, then it will lead to a sense of guilt or regret and so on. We reflect on this. We learn to learn how, how our, our actions and our speech affects our state of mind. What we also gain out of training in sila or precepts is that the mind becomes stronger. We become more mindful, more aware of what we're saying, what we're doing from moment to moment. And you can see that really the practice is not that difficult, is it? Just learning to be aware of what you're saying, what you're doing, what you're thinking and starting to let go of anything that causes suffering. But to do this we do have to keep maintaining our awareness to help bringing the mind back to peace. Lumpur Cha used to say, just practice being mindful whatever posture you're in, whether you're walking, you're sitting, you're lying down, have mindfulness. We used to doubt about Nibbana and enlightenment and what all the purpose of the practice is, but really these doubts can just confuse us what we have to do is just bring the mind back to the present moment and practice with mindfulness. To be aware of our speech, our actions, to be aware of our thoughts and be, to see what really is conducive to peace arising. When the mind becomes peaceful then wisdom and clarity comes from that. Wisdom in the Buddhist sense is the wisdom that allows us to free the mind from suffering. When the mind does become peaceful, you can start to investigate, to develop this wisdom. Ask yourself questions. Are all these possessions of mine, are they really mine? Are they really lasting? Is this very body really me? Does it belong to me? Look at all the different parts of this body. The hair, the nails, the teeth, the skin, the bones and so on. Ask yourself, is this really mine? As you contemplate, you'll see it's really impermanent, this body. It's made up of what we call the four elements. That which is hard and solid is the earth element. The liquid parts, this is the water element. The heat and warmth of the body that comes from digestion, this is the fire element. And the air and the uh, air that moves around the body, this is the breath, uh, the air element, this comes from the breath. As we contemplate, we can see these four elements are always in a state of change. The way they relate to each other and in themselves, they're changing. As we get older, as we sometimes get sick, we can see how the elements change and the experience of this body is always changing. Eventually it will start to break up, to fall apart. So we can see that this body is really not a self, any kind of lasting entity that will will always be here in, in an unchanged way. This is what we call understanding our true self. We always think we know ourselves, I know myself, but our true self is to see that this body that we take as ours is something that doesn't last. It's impermanent. If we really understand this point, we understand the nature of this body as impermanent, unsatisfactory and not self, then this will help to remove all our deluded attachments from the mind and bring it to peace. 
if we can practice like this, develop this kind of peace, then wherever we are, we'll be peaceful. Even if we, have to, we are living in a family and looking after our family, we can be peaceful. If we have peace of mind ourselves, then our family will also gain from that. They'll become more peaceful. If we train ourselves to think good thoughts, we'll be happy and the people around us will be more happy. If we practice recognizing negative and stressful thoughts and let them go, we'll be more and more happy and more content within ourselves. So really this is the flavor or the, the aim of practice is to learn skillfully how to let go develop the wisdom, the peace, the understanding that will help us to let go of our attachments. And even as lay people we can do this and we can all experience the benefits of it. So in conclusion I would just like to wish you all success and progress in your Dhamma practice and I hope that you all find happiness. So, we thank Anajan very much for his teaching. He's very kind. Um, we'll finish today inviting uh, Anajan and the other senior monks to sit at the front and can all take part in just bathing ceremony, bathing the hands of the senior monks. And then uh, you're welcome to also take a medallion home, a souvenir medallion. Um, if when we're doing this, if you would like to actually walk out to the veranda and come into the door over there where the uh, film camera is in a line and then you can come one by one to bathe the monks and pick up your medallion and can go out the middle door. If we do it like that, it works very well. <laughs>